This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. You can follow me on Twitter at TaylorTravis15. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. If you're more of a Facebook person, you can like the show on Facebook. Just search Locked On Aggies in the search tab. Click on it, click like, and you'll be connected. All the uh, latest episodes are posted there, as well as some news and notes around the Texas A&M athletic programs, but a lot of ways to be connected with Locked On Aggies on social media. Again, my Twitter, at TaylorTravis15, at Locked On Aggies, the show's Twitter, and Facebook, Locked On Aggies. Give it a like, and you will be connected with everything that goes on surrounding the show. Also, if you ever have a question for me, if you want to hear your question answered on the show, you can do that. Three different ways. You can either email the show, LockedOnAggies at gmail.com. That's LockedOnAggies, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. If I like your question, I will read it on the show. I will answer it. By the way, I love the interaction with listeners, so don't ever hesitate if you do have a question. I love the interaction. I encourage it. makes the show a lot easier for me, and I'm sure it makes it more enjoyable for you. So don't ever hesitate to uh, ask a question to LockedOnAggies at gmail.com. If you don't want to go the email route, there's still two different ways you can do that. You can either tweet at me at TaylorTravis15 or tweet the show at LockedOnAggies. You can also send a direct message as well. Both mine and the show's DMs are open. Well, let's dive in. What a game that was on Saturday. I mean, what a football game. Here in a little bit, in the next two segments, I'll give my three good things and three bad things like I do every Monday after the game. But I just want to talk about the game for a little bit because that was... One of the better football games I've seen in a long time from Texas A&M. And it was fitting considering Texas A&M was wearing their 1998 throwbacks, which is still weird to say, a 1998 throwback. But believe it or not, 1998 was 20 years ago. But if you look back on those teams from 1998, really in that 90s era, Texas A&M won by defense under R.C. Slocum, under Jackie Sherrill. But you think back on that 1998 Texas A&M team that won the Big 12 championship, They won their games with their defense. And if you think back on that game Saturday, that's exactly what Texas A&M did. Their offense didn't look great at times, but their defense kept them in the ball game. And that's the reason they were able to get out of there with a win on Saturday. Think about this. So Kentucky, they had that big touchdown on the jet sweep early on in the first quarter. I can't remember how long it was now. It was 50 or 60 yards. After that, the Texas A&M defense played nine series. Nine, okay? One missed field goal, eight punts, six were three and outs. Think about that for a little bit. Nine series. Six of those nine series were three and out. Eight ended in a punt. One was a missed field goal. The Texas A&M defense played incredible, and that was probably the most impressive performance I've seen by an Aggie defense since probably 2010 against Nebraska. I would have to say this might have been more impressive Considering Benny Snell, Kentucky's running back, who all last week, if you remember, I was tooting his horn. I still think he's the best running back in the country. But the Texas A&M run defense, I think, is on the verge of being elite. I really do. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And I hate throwing that word out there because I think it's so overused. But I think the Texas A&M run defense, after seeing what they did against Benny Snell, who I wholeheartedly believe is the best running back in the country, I'm ready to call this Texas A&M run defense elite. Not the entire defense. I still have major, major concerns over the secondary. But the run defense, the front seven, is elite. 
and I'll talk more about that later. But just look at what Benny Snell has done against other good defenses in the SEC. Against Florida, he carried the ball 27 times for 175 yards. Mississippi State, who I think still has one of the better front sevens in the SEC, 25 carries, 165 yards. And then South Carolina really is one other sort of down game. 28 carries, 99 yards. He still scored. But he couldn't get anything going against Texas A&M. 13 carries, 62 yards. And what Texas A&M did that ultimately led them to being successful is they forced Kentucky into situations where they had to throw the football. I think one of the big keys to winning this game for Texas A&M was putting Kentucky in third and long situations, which is hard. Because Benny Snell is such a good running back. We talked about this last week. He's able to make something out of nothing. That's what he does. He dives right in that line, and you think, okay, one or two yard gain. All of a sudden, he spurts out of there and picks up six or seven. When you have a running back who can do that, very rarely are you in third and long situations. But what Texas A&M had to do was stuff Benny Snell, do not allow him to gain big yards on first and second down, and put Kentucky in a situation where they have to throw the football. That's their weakness. They're one of the worst teams in the country in pass efficiency. What Texas A&M did is they stopped Benny Snell on first down. They stopped him on second down. And next thing you know, you're Kentucky. You look up, it's third and eight. You have to throw the football. And that's something you haven't been able to do well all year. And they certainly weren't able to do it well on Saturday. I think Kentucky's quarterback, Terry Wilson, is a great athlete. He can run the ball. He moves well. But one thing he can't do, it's kind of like Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald, obviously, a much better football player than Terry Wilson, but they both have kind of the same problem where they're very mobile, but they can't throw the ball downfield. They're just not very accurate. Terry Wilson went 13 of 20, which isn't the worst completion percentage, but hardly any of those throws were downfield. Most of them were just, you know, five or six yards uh, in front of the line of scrimmage. 13 of 20, 108 yards and a touchdown. But But that's ultimately what won this game for Texas A&M is they forced Kentucky to do the things that they don't do well. And any time you can do that, you're going to be successful. I was very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised, but surprised at how well Texas A&M stopped the run. Because like I said, Benny Snell, in my opinion, is the best running back in the country. I knew the Texas A&M run defense was very good to great, but I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to contain Benny Snell. But they did. Texas A&M got the win 20-14 to in overtime against 13th-ranked Kentucky. What a game. That win snapped a seven-game losing streak against top 25 teams, dating back to the overtime win over Tennessee in 2016. That's kind of a head-scratcher, too, if you think about it, because it seems like when you play in the SEC, almost every team you play in conference play is ranked, right? Well, Texas A&M hasn't beaten a top 25 team since that win against Tennessee at Kyle Field, which also went into overtime. But that Tennessee team kind of turned out to be a little bit overrated I don't think this will be the case with this Kentucky team. I think they're a really good team that's going to win eight or nine games and contend in the SEC East. But what a football game. Let's hear from Jimbo Fisher. He spoke after the game. He gave some of his initial thoughts. By the way, all audio played on Lockdown Aggies is courtesy of WTAW and College Station. But let's go ahead and hear from Jimbo Fisher and what he had to say right after the game. Wow, what a game. A heck of a football game. Uh, extremely proud of our kids. I mean, resiliency. No matter what it was, whether we were shooting our own selves in the foot, we just kept playing. Uh, going to the next play, our defense was outstanding. I think they gave up like 112 yards in the first quarter. And after that, 
I mean, they, they basically shut them out. And our, they were at six sacks, three and outs, the field position, along with our punting. Our punting and our punt coverage dictating that, not getting a lot of first downs, really controlled the field position. Uh, they were outstanding. Uh, offensively, move the football. First half struggled, shot ourselves in the foot on a couple drives, then move it like crazy, get a good drive, come out, get a good drive, and then – have a high snap. We're first and 10 on the 18, get a high snap. Then we're on, then we, we're on first and 10 on the 30, 35, and we're handing the ball off, and he thinks we're pulling it, and we drop the ball. And then, uh, just, then we jump off sides. Then we, you know, the first drive, just some silly things, but we kept moving the football. And then we had the third and one, and that was a quarterback run. It was a quarterback boot all the way, and he lost his, the snap, didn't get clean to him. And then he bobbled, and then he got, then he got it, and then he got it knocked out. And it was just a, a situation where, you know, he, he can't do it, but we played it, moved on. Defense was outstanding in overtime, got the sack. And then the offense lined up and ran the football when we had to run it. And we're getting more physical. We're getting better. I think we ran for 164, threw for 226. It wasn't bad. Third down was a lot better. Some of those critical third down conversions on those drives, we picked up some critical third downs. We're getting better there uh, in what we're doing. So we're a long way off from uh, uh, a perfect team by far, but we're – we're getting better. We're learning how to compete, and we learned how to play with some pressure in some situations when the game we had momentum and lost momentum and, and got better. And uh, hopefully we'll line up this week and get ready to play a very good South Carolina team who had an outstanding win today. You know, when Jimbo Fisher took the job at Texas A&M, one of the first things he said is he wanted his teams to play with toughness and grit. And I can't think of a better way to put that on display than on Saturday, a 20-14 to 14 overtime win Texas A&M had adversity time and time again. They shot themselves in the foot. If you remember the Kellamon fumble, the scoop and score by Kentucky that tied the game in the fourth quarter, I was thinking, oh boy. If you remember on Friday's episode, I said that there's going to be a big play in the fourth quarter that's going to swing momentum and ultimately decide who wins that game. I was thinking that's probably the play right there, that scoop and score. And what Texas A&M teams of old would have done, when I say of old, I mean the last 10 year under Kevin Sumlin, they probably would have rolled over at that point. They probably would have had that deer-in-the-headlights type look. But under Jimbo Fisher, this team just looks so much different. There's so much more toughness. There's so much more grit. They respond to adversity well. They, they, I mean, Jimbo Fisher preaches it almost every time he speaks to the media, right? About moving on to the next play, controlling what you can control. That's exactly what Texas A&M did on Saturday, and that's a big reason why they got that win. We'll talk a little bit more about that later I'll give my three good things and three bad things when we come back. But first, I want to tell you about Sling TV. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is whenever you're paying for cable and it comes with maybe 200 channels and you watch maybe 10 or 11 of them. That just grinds my gears. It drives me crazy. But there's a way to avoid that. Sling TV. And right now, it's college football season. And Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Just $30 a month. Gets you ESPN, the Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and so much more. Pretty much every channel that has college football comes with Sling TV. You can stream it on your big screen. You can stream it on the go on your favorite device. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden feeds. You can cancel any time. There's no cancellation fee. There's no contract. That's a big plus for me. Because I hate whenever you sign up with a cable company and they lock you in for two years. And even if you hate it, you got to stick with it or you're going to owe them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. That annoys me. That almost annoys me more than paying for the channels I don't watch. But Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. It's the best deal out there. Now sign up now for Sling TV and you can get a seven-day free trial. They're offering me an exclusive deal to give to my listeners. 
Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. And you can get a seven-day free trial of Sling TV. Again, I recommend it. It's the best way to watch college football. No long-term contracts. No hidden fees. You don't have to pay for channels you don't watch. Sling TV. Seven-day free trial. Sling.com slash locked on. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. The Locked On Aggies podcast is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, Texas A&M coming off a monster win at home over 13th ranked Kentucky, 20-14 to 14 in overtime. And there was a lot of really good takeaways. It was hard for me to narrow them down to just three, but I have to, right? Because it's three good things, three bad things. It was really hard to narrow down my list, but I nailed down three things that I took away that were big positives for Texas A&M moving forward. And number one for me, you probably think it's the run defense, right? Well, that's actually number two. Number one for me is I think the Texas A&M home field advantage is starting to come back. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait, where did it go? It's always been the home of the 12th man, right? Kyle Field, one of the best atmospheres in college football. I'm not going to argue with you there. You're right. It is one of the best atmospheres. But I think for the last 10 to 12 years, opponents haven't really been afraid of going into Kyle Field. It hasn't been that loud atmosphere. It hasn't really been the same over the last 10 years or so. And I really don't know why. I can't give you a reason why. But I think one of the main reasons is Texas A&M hasn't had that elite defense. The crowd feeds off of defense. Remember back in the Wrecking Crew days, even up until the 90s, when Texas A&M had that lockdown defense that was consistently one of, if not the best defense in college football? And that's when the 12th man was at its best. That's when it was deafening in Kyle Field. As the years went on, remember 2012, 2013, 2014, when Texas A&M didn't have that elite defense. In fact, their defenses were usually one of the worst in the conference. That's when we saw that home field advantage start to go away. That's when we saw Kevin Sumlin have a really hard time winning big home games because when the defense isn't in the game, when the defense is allowing big play after big play, it really drains the crowd. It drains the energy. They have a hard time getting fired up. They have a hard time uh, being energized. But now that the Texas A&M defense is starting to turn the corner, The run defense is already considered elite, in my opinion. The secondary still has work to do. But the better the defense gets for Texas A&M under Mike Elko, the better the home field advantage will be. We saw that on Saturday. 12th man was rocking. Kyle Field was loud. And it was a big part of the win on Saturday. I think we'll see that continue to trend in the right direction under Jimbo Fisher. Number two. Good thing I took away from the game. Again, I teased it before, but it's the run defense. I mean, there's not enough words to describe how good the run defense was on Saturday and really how good that run defense has been all year long. I mean, you look at the numbers, they're ranked sixth in the country right now in run defense, giving up 85 yards per game. Now, can that keep up throughout SEC play when things get really physical, your guys start to get worn down? We'll see. But Texas A&M so far, has played Alabama, Clemson, two of the best teams in the country, and the best running back in the country, in my opinion, in Benny Snell, and they're averaging 85 yards given up per game. That's a really good number. That is an elite number. 
And that's why I think this Texas A&M run defense is elite. Jimbo Fisher talked after the game about the run defense, and he talked about why they were successful. Uh, again, all audio played on Locked On Aggies is courtesy of WTAW and College Station. But here's Jimbo Fisher after the game talking about how successful that run defense was. Well, we had that. We just misplayed that. We, we, we had a leverage point there, but we had leverage on the plays, and what we were doing, we were covering. The other thing was the passing game. We weren't giving throws, and we, had to, we, we were going to make them try to throw the football. We wanted to take the – we had to make them be, do something that they didn't do as well. You know, the running game is what they ran. Snell's a heck of a player, so we could not let him beat us. We could not let him beat us, so we determined to take that away and made him throw the football. And then the other thing we did was able to put pressure on the quarterback. Being able to get the sacks and the rush and the things we did with the quarterback, the six sacks, was uh, very critical. You look at Benny Snell's stat line, right? 13 carries, 62 yards. It's hard to believe that's also inflated. Because if you remember late in the game when Texas A&M was in that prevent defense, Benny Snell had two 10 or 11-yard runs to kind of boost his stats a little bit. So really his stat line doesn't tell the whole story, and it doesn't indicate just how good that Texas A&M run defense was. And it's all the way around the board. The front seven has been incredible this year, whether it's the defensive ends, Kingsley Kiki, Landis Durham, Kiki, doing a great job moving from the inside to the outside after that injury to Michael Clemens. Uh, Justin Matabuke, Dalen Mack on the inside. I mean, I can't be more excited to see Dalen Mack start to live up to his potential because he was so hyped up as a recruit. He never really was able to live up to his potential, but under Jimbo Fisher, he's found new life. And he's starting to step up in a big way. And linebacker, uh, Ataro Alaka, Tyrell Dodson. I mean, there's just so much credit that needs to be given out for the A&M run defense and the way they've played this year. But wow. Sixth in the country, 85 yards per game given up. They are an elite run defense. And I hate throwing out that word so loosely because it seems like everybody says, this guy's elite, this team's elite. But I truly believe this run defense is elite. My third takeaway, my third good takeaway from the game was Travion Williams. I was a little worried before because the AM offensive line has had a lot of problems uh, getting push up front. We saw Travion Williams have, have success going left and right against Arkansas. I didn't think he'd be able to do that against Kentucky just because the Kentucky defense is a lot more athletic than the Arkansas defense. But Travion Williams found a way. Travion Williams looked like the best running back on the field on Saturday. I still think Benny Snell is the best in the country, but Travion Williams, to me, is the clear-cut second-best running back in the SEC, and he looked really good on Saturday. 24 carries, 144 yards, a touchdown, a big touchdown in overtime that ultimately gave Texas A&M the win. He also made big plays with his hands. Six catches, 72 yards. He had a big 32-yard reception. That's going to be big going down the stretch with Jamon Osmond sidelined with a foot injury. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But let's hear from Jimbo Fisher. He talked about Travion after the game. Here's Jimbo. Oh, he was outstanding. We gave him screens. We gave him the ball. We touched balls in his hand. And that was the other thing. We had a couple critical drops in the game. We had a couple critical drops in the game that hurt us. We had some opportunities, too. So we, we kind of passed it around on offense. But, uh, you know, he's a warrior. He's a competitor. He does, and now, he practices that way. He's the guy who's on those guys. You know, Dono, here's a guy on defense who played his heart out. He's like, he practices like that. Dodson practices like that. Alaka practices like that. Uh, Kiki and Matabuka, all those guys. But those guys love to do it, and, and, and it's paying off. They're carrying it to the field from the practice field, and, and Travion's a warrior, man. I mean, he can do it all. He can catch, he can run, and he's a great competitor. If Travion Williams can continue to have success on the ground like this, it's going to go a long way towards Texas A&M winning more football games 
and having more success on offense. So my three positive takeaways, my three good things, the home field advantage coming back, the run defense, and Travion Williams, my three good things I took away from Saturday's 20-14 to win over 13th-ranked Kentucky. Up next, I'll give my three bad things, but before that, I want to tell you about Vivid Seats. You know, I love to watch football on TV, but even more so, I love to go to the game in person with my buddies. And when I'm looking for tickets, there's only one place I go to look, and that's Vivid Seats for a number of reasons. Number one, they have a 100% buyer's guarantee, meaning your tickets are guaranteed. But if you're a new customer, if you've never used Vivid Seats, there's even more incentive for you to do so. That's because you, my listener, have a very special offer right now. That's promo code locked on. It'll get you $20 off orders of $200 or more. So go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code locked on, and you'll get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. I can't think of a better deal. Again, 100% buyer guarantee. Also, if you're a new customer, promo code locked on, a very special offer for my listeners. Promo code locked on gets you $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas AM athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, hosted by myself, Taylor Travis. Three bad things that I took away from Texas AM's 20 to 14 overtime win against Kentucky. It was hard to find three bad things because I was so pleased with what I saw on the field, but there were still things that Texas A&M can do better. And number one for me was Texas A&M still needs somebody to step up at receiver. I talked about this last week. It was a big concern of mine. But with Jamon Osmond, Texas A&M's wide receiver one, out indefinitely with a foot injury, somebody has to step up and be that wide receiver one. And I look at the depth chart. I look at the roster. Quite frankly, I don't see that guy anywhere. There's a lot of talent, there's a lot of good receivers, but there's nobody with that big wide receiver one potential. Cam Buckley's good, Kendrick Rogers is good, Courtney Davis, but nobody really stands out to me as somebody who can step up in that role and be the go-to guy at receiver for Texas A&M. I know Jay Sternberger is huge, he had that huge touchdown on Saturday, but Texas A&M needs somebody on the outside. Now Travion Williams, what he did, catching the ball 70 yards, That's going to go a long way if they're able to get him involved in the passing game more. But Texas A&M needs to have somebody step up. And there was a lot of big mistakes by the receivers on Saturday. There were some crucial drops. Uh, There was just lack of separation. And I think that's a big reason why Kellamon didn't have his best game. We'll touch on that in just a little bit. But somebody has to step up a receiver for Texas A&M going forward or Texas A&M might be in trouble against good teams like an LSU or a Mississippi State, or even an Auburn, who I think, even though they lost to Mississippi State, I still think they're a really good football team with a lot of talent. But Texas A&M needs to find somebody to step up and make, make plays at wide receiver. My second bad takeaway was Seth Small. And I really don't want to be too harsh on Seth Small. He's a true freshman. He's getting thrown into a tough spot. But Seth Small went 0-for-1, missed a 40-yarder. You know. It's three points. It doesn't seem like a lot on the surface, but when you get into SEC play, every game is so tough. Three points left on the scoreboard often can be the difference in a win and a loss. Texas A&M needs that guy at kicker who I'm not going to say can be a guarantee, 
but who can be consistent from about 45 yards in. And we've seen Seth Small these last two weeks against Arkansas and then Saturday against Kentucky miss kicks that an SEC kicker should make at least 90% of the time. Texas A&M needs a lot more consistency from Seth Small going forward. And it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back, how he responds. Again, the true freshman, it's kind of tricky sometimes. You never know how they're going to respond to adversity, especially after having two bad weeks back-to-back. But Texas A&M needs him to bounce back in a big way because those missed field goals add up. And ultimately, they could be the difference in a win and a loss against some of those good teams left on Texas A&M's schedule. My third bad thing from the game on Saturday, and this wasn't really a bad thing per se, but against Arkansas and against Kentucky, Kellen Mond hasn't looked like the Kellen Mond that we saw early in the year. His accuracy's been a little bit off, and it doesn't look like he's playing with the same level of confidence that we saw against Clemson. He looks a little bit rattled sometimes. He looks like he tries to do a little bit too much. Again, you have to keep in mind he's a true sophomore. He's still really young. There's still going to be growing pains. That's just a part of the process. Jimbo Fisher knows that. I know that. I'm sure you know that as well. But at the same time, the inconsistency is what really bothers me. Kellen has to step up and be a little bit more consistent. He's also been turning the ball over. He had two really atrocious interceptions against Arkansas. He had a bad pick against Kentucky. He also had that fumble in the fourth quarter that Kentucky scooped up and scored on, which could have been a huge turning point in the game. It was a big turning point, but again, Texas A&M did a good job responding to that adversity and coming away with a win anyways. But Kellamon has to take more care of the football, and moving forward, I just want to see him start to look like the quarterback we saw early in the year, accuracy-wise, composure-wise, and just get back to where he's in control of the game. The Texas A&M offense is only going to go as far as Kellamon takes them. I know the offensive line plays a big role as well, but it's really only going to go as far as Kellamon takes them, and we need to see more from him as we move forward into SEC play. That's going to do it for today's show. Later today, Jimbo Fisher will have his weekly press conference. He'll talk more about the Kentucky game, and he'll preview South Carolina on Saturday as well. So tomorrow we will break down that. We'll uh, have some takeaways from that weekly press conference. But until then, thanks for listening to Locked On Aggies, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Locked On Aggies, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.